It's time for episode 330 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with an episode that'll be over before you know it. I am Micah Sargent, who is apparently extra caffeinated this morning, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, good buddy, good friend. It's Dan the Man Morin. Uh, Hi, Micah. I didn't realize we had transitioned formats into a morning zoo. (laughs) I don't know what animal that was. I call that the airplane squirrel. Um, I, yeah, let's just go ahead and move along to the fact that we have two awesome guests. Uh, to my left is my co-host on Tech News Weekly, as well as the host of All About Android on the Twit Network. It's Jason, the robot howl. Yes, I'm waiting. The what? The robot. What are you going to say? Okay. All right. Cool. That works. To my left this week, it is a rebel and a rebel rouser and the host of the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast. It's Kelly Gamont. Welcome back, Kelly. Hey, I... I thought I was here to do Dan Morin's Mandatory Mandalorian podcast. Ooh, <laughs> awkward. Uh, yeah, sorry, scheduling snafu. Uh, okay, I guess I'll do this one instead. We have just 30 minutes. There are four topics, and I'm going to kick things off with mine. Do you make use of digital well-being features and apps? All right, sure. Um, yeah, so on Android, it's digital well-being is kind of the name of the, the suite of features in settings and I actually do use a decent amount of stuff in there. There's wind down, which basically grayscales the screen at a certain time of day. And I have that set 10 PM to 5 AM. Uh, do not disturb. I'm like a huge fan of do not disturb, which is probably why many times if you try and reach me, you don't hear from me because I just don't see it for a while. Um, but I set that on every day automatically 10 PM to 8 AM and it mutes everything except calls and messages from my contacts. And I love it. Like I actually, you know, set that for shows and everything. I lean into that one heavily. It's a great feature. Nightlight, which. I think that's the one that like grayscales the screen at 9 p.m., which is more like an annoyance. It's like, yep, we've turned your screen to grayscale, so don't use the phone anymore. In practice, though, it really doesn't do a whole lot, but I set it there just to make myself feel better about me. And, um, and then uh, Family Link, which is for like kids' device control and stuff. Use that all the time. I mean, our kids only really get tablets on the weekends. They get a couple hours each day on Saturday and Sunday. And that's the app that we use to make sure that we're, you know, approving what apps they're installing, setting time limits and stuff. Outside of that, like I know apps offer time limits within themselves. Like you can set a time limit on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And there have been times in my life where I'm using those things so heavily that I feel like maybe it would be a good idea to use that. But I've just trim, trimmed back my usage of those apps enough now where I don't feel like I need those time controls. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big boy now. I'm, uh, I'm managing my time on my own. <laughs> Uh, listeners of the show may remember that one of my tech New Year's resolutions was to try to spend less time on social media and to do so via some of the screen time features in iOS and the Mac. I've run into some problems. 
<laughs> so I, 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 when you sort of set up, I, I we went very well while I was on vacation uh, in over New Year's. I was like, oh man, I set a two hour limit for all my social networking apps. I was never using it, but I was also on vacation. When I got home and I added my Mac into the mix because it didn't automatically sort of sync over and realize Tweetbot on the Mac is the same as Tweetbot on iOS, etc. So I added in like Twitter.com and all this stuff. And now I'm because of the Mac seems to I think track it you know, when you have the app open, even if it's not in the foreground. And I just leave Tweetbot open all the time. I'm hitting that limit by noon or <laughs> earlier. And it's like, well, I can't do all of my work without access to Tweetbot for basically half of the day. So I've been like overriding it. And I'm like, there's got to be a better solution. I just haven't figured out what it is yet. I love the idea. I like being aware of it. I like having that information. I like the ability to have those controls. And I'm really interested in some of the things that Google's been doing here. I saw their thing yesterday. Was it the envelope where you can like put your phone in an envelope of like, in a pairs of a specific app? And so you can still use it to like make calls, but you can't see the screen. Very weird and, and kind of interesting. I would be intrigued to try something like that. Uh, but I think I would probably just get really frustrated with it. So at the end of the day, I think these are great tools, but I think it really depends on, you know, each of us to be able to self-enforce those things. So I do use some of the other features like the at uh, the bedtime feature at like 1130 or so, you know, turns off all my apps basically except for critical ones um and that reminds me to go to bed uh but i won't pro- say that i'm always the best about that so yeah it comes back to i think my personal willpower which apparently could use some work when they've got an app for that let me know kelly what about you <laughs> um i use uh the the true tone feature which reduces blue light uh later relative to the the time of day uh, I always make sure my brightness is really low on it so that if it does come on in the night or it's, you know, later in the evening and I pick my phone up for something, um, then A, like it doesn't look, you know, spectacular, but also, uh, with the true tone, it helps keep it sort of, um, uh, from tons of blue light. I have, uh, flux set up on my, on macOS so that it will slowly yellow the screen over time as well for the same reasons. Um, I use, uh, I, I sort of look at the screen time thing, like I turned it on. And so it just tells me like this week, I think on Sundays or something, it says like this week your screen time was up or down or whatever. So I kind of glance at that and go, yeah, you know, it did, it did feel like I spent a lot of time on my phone last week or not a lot of time on my phone last week. So I kind of use, I try to use that as a marker, but I also, um, if I'm like bored or something and just pick up my phone to play a game or something, um, I've gotten better about asking myself, is this really what I want to be doing right now? And if it's like, yes, I want to spend 10 minutes checked out and go match three things to make something happen, like, cool. But sometimes it's like, no, actually, like, there's a better, th- there's something else I would rather be doing. And this is just sort of a mindless habit that I'm trying to break. So I've tried to be more mindful of that. Um, I use do not disturb. I'm pretty, um, on top of do not disturb, probably not as much as, as Jason, but I am kind of on top of do not disturb. I like it a lot. And I have it, I have it set overnight, uh, as well. And uh, I haven't tried the bedtime feature because I was trying it for a while and I was really good at ignoring it. So it wasn't really helping. So I'm going to try and figure out uh, if there's a way to to incorporate that again. Beautiful answers all around. Um, yeah, I am a user of uh, of screen time as well. And I do kind of just give a little glance uh, from time to time at the little notifications I get. And I notice, wow, when I'm spending time with people, 
it tends to be that my screen time is way, way, way down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I find myself not really using screens as much as I used to. Um, most of the time it's, you know, for work reasons and occasionally I'll give a scroll through Twitter, um, and Instagram, but Outside of that, I kind of, um, this year, this past year and this year have been, um, just sort of a natural reduction of screen time anyway. Uh, but I do enjoy those screen time features. I think the only time it's ever been an issue was when I needed to use Twitter at work and I had already reached my limits via my phone, my iPad and other devices, <laughs> sort of having all of that information. And so then I went to use it at work and it's like, oh man, I have to click that ignore that limit uh, button, which I don't like to do. But, you know, aside from that, it was... Um, something that was worth it. And yeah, I do think that I think that uh, they work in the sense that it is a reminder. And um, it it the, the first step of being able to make a change is understanding, you know, what, what you need to do to make that change. So in that sense, I do think that they work. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which comes from Jason. So name a movie or a TV show that you watch. This could be when you were younger or it could be at any point that you thought might actually be painting a, an accurate view of the future. Maybe it's a vision of the future that you hope for or don't hope for. And what resonated with you about that vision? I think if I had to pick one movie as a kid that really painted a picture I thought was plausible of the future, and it's going to sound, I mean, unsurprising, but also dumb, it is Back to the Future Part 2. Um, so of course, yeah, a movie that takes place in 2015, which we are now five years past and looked actually relatively little like, like the future depicted in there. But I was sure, I was sure as a 10 year old or whatever that we would have flying cars and, uh, hoverboards. And I was, I was here for that. Uh, I wanted a, a hoverboard so bad. I mean, I remember those uh, urban rumors at the time that like, oh, yeah, Mattel made them, but they were too dangerous. <laughs> I totally I bought those. into that. Yep. Um, but of course, what's funny about that and so much of the science fiction that I read as a kid was that it felt like all the stuff that it really focused on was all this, you know, flying cars and space exploration and moon bases and all of that. And it totally missed the Internet. Like nothing, nothing that I was reading as a kid uh, in terms of science fiction caught essentially the biggest seismic shift to our uh our technology and our society uh, for, you know, basically the entire century. So good job, everybody. Science fiction writing. It's way easier than it looks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was thinking about this and I was trying to pick something that seems a little more hopeful and a little more on the back to the future scale, you know, because um, I never I I think because it was a cartoon, I always thought the Jetsons looked made up. So that wasn't ever going to be it. Um so, like, the stuff that, that I think of that seems like it's the most realistic, of course, I'm legally obligated to say Westworld. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I host a podcast about Westworld for people who don't know. Uh, but I think, uh, as a kid, I, I, like, as a, as a, as a young person, uh, it would probably have been, uh, Battlestar Galactica because, uh, I know it's way in the future, but it did seem really hopeful because they kept resisting and they kept trying to preserve what of humanity they had. And so for me, I think that was the part of it that I really liked. And that's why it resonated with me was because, um, 
yeah, like it it was not a cheerful, happy, uplifting show by any stretch of the imagination, the original one. But uh it also there was that little kernel of like this is us continuing to preserve our humanity and, and stand up for the thing that we believe in, and that was the part that I really liked. I didn't think that everything in the Jetsons was going to be something that I was going to have when I grew up, but by golly, I was so hopeful for food pills. <laughs> I just wish I didn't have to eat. And eating is such a hassle. And then, yeah, I didn't think that I was going to have a robot that looked exactly like Rosie, but certainly I thought that I would have some sort of um, robot companion. And, you know, we're kind of getting there. Samsung has Bali, right? Um, no. uh, Jason, any last thoughts on your topic? One that came a little bit later for me uh, was Total Recall, and then a little bit further than that, Strange Days, both for the same reason. Yeah. Um, Total Recall and Strange Days are all about kind of like mind manipulation and being able to record thoughts and experiences and be able to uh, either believe that they actually happened or play them back. And I just, there's something about that concept that's really resonated with me throughout the course of my life. Like what it, what it would mean to be able to do that and how that might actually be possible someday. And, uh, so I don't know. There's something in there that, that really, uh, has always just stuck with me over the years. Total recall, maybe less than strange days, but the strange days concept, I was always like super intrigued with. So that's my answer. Beautiful. Uh, well, folks, we have reached halftime, which means I get to tell you about our pals at Linode. Uh, whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They've got 11, yes, 11 data centers around the world, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. And with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. You can get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you're going to get access to Nanode plans starting as low as 5 bucks a month, dedicated CPU plans with physical cores reserved just for you, GPU compute plans suitable for AI, machine learning, and video processing, and one-click installs of the most popular apps, including WordPress, LampStack, and game servers for Minecraft, plus so much more. If you head to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code CLOCKWISE2020, that's this year, when creating a new Linode account, you're going to get $20 towards your next project. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, you should head to linode.com slash careers to find out more. Now that URL for that $20 credit is linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2020. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan, it is your turn. What topic have you got for us? All right. Security is in the news once again, and I am curious... How far do you take the encryption and securing of your data? Uh, well, I, uh, actually once gave a talk that was, that I, that was about digital security. And I said it was the, the technological equivalent of rolling up all your windows and locking the doors and taking the keys with you, which is like basic level security that will keep most people reasonably safe for a reasonable amount of time. And, so I, I, I have a Mac. I use File Vault there. I, uh, back up my, uh, 
devices, my iOS devices to my computer and those backups are encrypted. I do use those things. I try to use, um, uh, messages because I know that's end to end encrypted on my iPhone. I do look at privacy policies. I do look at, uh, what are you going to do with my information if I sign up for an account or if I'm using this app? What kind of permissions am I giving it? And I do go back through permissions every so often, like when I think about it and can't remember the last time I did it. And I will go review other things that I've signed into. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm extreme about it, but I do think I probably do more than a lot of people do. Um, I, you know, make sure to have, uh, encrypted backups of my devices and things like that. I know that, you know, an iCloud backup, there are parts of the backup that Apple has the key to parts of the backup that Apple does not have the key to, um, just learned something new from, uh, Renee Ritchie about, uh, messages on, on, um, iOS and how if you use messages in the cloud, then, it will encrypt your messages and store them in the portion of iCloud that Apple does not have the key to. If you don't use messages in the cloud, then it stores them as part of your iCloud backup, which Apple does have the key to. Um, so, you know, just being aware of things like that and trying to understand what, um, what exactly can be encrypted, how that works and what it means for the content that I have. And what I have, you you know, use of. Jason, what about you? Uh, not, <laughs> not not far enough, I don't think. I mean, because I know how important encryption is, and it's not it's not that I'm unprotected. Like I think similar to you, Micah. Like you know, I've got my Google account is is uh, two factor authentication locked up. You know, so I've got protection there, but. I mean, full on encryption. Like, I don't even, you guys, I don't even do backups. I realize how bad I am. Like, I do not back up my stuff. Like, I'm just kind of like, Jason, (laughs) flying by the seat of my pants on my digital surfboard. And that's about it, you know? (laughs) Like, um, yeah, I'm not doing enough. And I fully realize I need, this is one of those like shameful areas of my technology life where I'm like, damn it, one of these days, I just really need to take this more seriously than I am. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I do use File Vault on my Macs to encrypt the data there. Um, but you know, at the same time, I don't think my backup drives are necessarily encrypted. So, you know, that's, that's oh. a loophole. Um, I, I do use iCloud backup, not local backup, because I'd rather have a copy of all my data than worry about remembering to encrypt it and have enough room on my desktop. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I don't use messages in the cloud. Uh, and it's actually, it's actually not that much more secure because your, uh, backup key for your messages in the cloud is stored in your iCloud backup. <laughs> So, oh really? In theory, yep, still accessible. Uh, so yeah, it's funny. It's a great point that you made, though, Mike, of being aware of these things. And I always feel like, to a certain degree, you have to just be aware that everything could be compromised in some way or another, despite your best efforts. So I, I think more encryption is a great thing. I would love to see Apple implement an I- online option for encrypted backups uh, because I think some people would take advantage of that, and that would be very convenient. Um, and as long as the trend moves in that direction of data security, I think that's that's a great thing. Uh, Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic today, which comes from Kelly. My primary, like, I like to do crafty sorts of things, but my primary analog hobby is to do something with yarn, whether it's knitting or crocheting. And I wondered what your analog hobbies are. 
I really like um, woodworking and plumbing and, and pretty much everything that fits into that sort of DIY category. Other than that, I would just say hiking, like being outside. Uh, I just was in uh, Ukiah in Northern California climbing trees the other uh, weekend. And oh my God, I have not had so much fun in a while. <laughs> like it was so wonderful. So yeah, being in nature and DIYing are my two uh, yarn time activities. Jason, what about you? I love that you climb trees as a hobby. That's just, that's awesome. So much fun. Uh, <laughs> um, mine would have to be anything creative, but really music. Because um, I, I do write music. I have for pretty much most of my life. And, uh, you know, playing guitar, playing bass, whatever I can get my hands on, really. But uh, definitely lately, it's been uh, kind of... I find myself being more attracted to guitar again. It really depends. Like I kind of go through these ebbs and flows of like, oh shoot, now now like I need music every every moment of my life when I'm not doing anything else, and you know I might work on an album or whatever. And then when I finally get the album out, I've spent so much time doing music that like I can't stand the thought of playing any more music, and I go for like a two year hiatus on playing anything, and then suddenly I find myself back in. So now that that like that waveform has me going back in again and I kind of made a commitment to myself to finally after all these years teach myself kind of the proper mechanics of finger picking, finger style picking. So every day I'm spending 15 to 30 minutes just focusing on some drills and practices and you know very uh very intro stuff on finger picking cuz it's just been something that I have not focused much time on. A lot of strumming, very little finger picking. So I figured if I do that 15 minutes to 30 minutes, minutes every single day this entire year by the end of the year i can't help but be better than when i started right yeah, so, absolutely so that's that's my plan and already i'm seeing improvements and i don't know it just it fills my soul like when i sit down and play music and i'm not looking at a screen uh it's just uh, i get i get I just feel so great. So that's why I do it. Uh, I think I realized a few months back that I turned all my hobbies into jobs, <laughs> uh, which is a little disconcerting at times. Um, yeah, I don't really have a great hobby right now. Like, There's lots of things I enjoy doing away from screens. Like, I like to cook, but I wouldn't say like it's something I devote a lot of time to. I just enjoy it when I'm doing it. Um, I, I muck around with like stuff, you know, I put like a new uh, uh, radio in my car last year. That was kind of fun. You know, I, I like uh, t- playing around with that kind of stuff, but I also live in an apartment, so I have limitations on that as well. Um, it used to be actually my big hobby used to be ultimate Frisbee. I played a lot of ultimate Frisbee and I've just, I, you know, got to a point a where I got older and B where I got injured much more. (laughs) So I'm hoping actually to get back into that a little bit this year. Um, I'm running a little bit. I'm doing, I've done a lot of five K's in the last year or two, but running is not something I particularly enjoy. It's just something I know I should do. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I do miss Frisbee a lot though. And I think that's something that I'm hoping I can get back into. I'm finally, uh, eligible for the, uh, Though I am not 40 yet, I will be eligible for the 40-plus league this year. So <laughs> I'm going to play with that, and hopefully that will be uh, a little more easygoing on me. So, yeah, uh, that and um, I still do play uh, D&D and board games a lot in person. That is something I like I like doing a lot. But I, I feel like that's more of a leisure activity than a hobby per se. So, yeah, maybe I need a new hobby. Listeners, write in and tell me what my new hobby should be. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, like I said with my question, uh, I, I spend a lot of time, uh, with yarn. I, uh, I have a pattern for a Starfleet logo dishcloth, which is one of the things I can knit pretty competently because I've made a bunch of them. Uh, and I, uh, 
I will uh, crochet things sometimes and I like um, building like interesting crafty stuff. Like I said, I built the man eating wreath from the night before Christmas and he's like five feet tall and uh, it hangs from the peak of my roof at Christmas time and he's very cool. My next, uh, the plus on that to use imagineering speak is uh, next year I'm going to figure out how to make his eyes light up. Ooh. That's my project for 2020. Is Because I know how to make them light up. That part's not the issue. It's being able to turn them on and off without taking a ladder out in front of my garage and flipping a switch every night. So that's my next challenge. And if you know how to do that, please write in and let me know because I definitely want to find out. Sweet. Uh, well, folks, we are just about to the end of an episode. We've got a bonus topic coming up. But first, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands, and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. Once again, that's boozallen.com slash relay. And thanks to Booz Allen for their support of Relay FM. Alrighty, my question for all of you is, what was your first job? Jason, we'll start with you. First job, I was a busboy, uh, breakfast and lunch rush on weekends at a restaurant called The Village Inn uh, in Boise, Idaho, corner of Glenwood and State Street. <laughs> I've been there. Whoa. Well, there you go. You could have seen little Jason b- bussing the tables, possibly eating uh, milkshakes and Belgian waffles with strawberries and whipped cream on my breaks. Mm. Wow. Dan, what about uh, you? I worked uh, in the law library. My first paying job was I worked in the law library where my dad worked, and I basically barcoded and packed books to ship them off to the depository. Fun uh, times. Fun. Yeah. No waffles, no milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly? Uh, my first job was working at the city library uh, where I grew up, and I matched up all of the cards in the card catalog to the books. And then used the new and improved card catalog to enter all of that data into their, at the time, current uh, Mac that uh, allowed the library to become part of the interlibrary loan program. Wow. Um, my first job, I would climb onto the roofs of the uh, school buildings, the elementary, middle, and high schools in my hometown's school district, uh, then bring up this silver uh, paint. It was paint that had like metallic flakes in it, and then paint the roofs of the school buildings in the summer, uh, the hot summer. And oh. essentially what it would do is reflect the sun off of the roofs so that they could lower their heating and, or sorry, their cooling bills. Um, but 
I basically uh, started to look like a raccoon by the end of the summer because I would wear sunglasses <laughs> and the sun was reflecting up at my face and tanning me uh, to many darker shades than I currently am, except for right around my <laughs> eyes. So it was um, backbreaking work and it turned me into a dodgum uh, raccoon. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all for your answers on that. And thank you for another brilliant and beautiful episode of Clockwise. Uh, Jason Howell, we do appreciate you joining us for this week's episode. Thank you. It was fun to do this again. Appreciate it. And Kelly Gamont, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It was a good time. And Micah, uh, well, I don't know about our first jobs, but our current jobs mean we have to come back here next week. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.